Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We are talking about finance, about money at the moment, looking at this series where your treasure is. So we started off a few weeks ago by looking at less is more. Then Stephen last week talked about how stress is bad. And today we are looking at giving is good. And uh, if you missed the first two weeks, they are on the podcast and you should listen to them because they are very high quality. Um, so, and these, we picked on these uh, principles because we think they're really important. Actually, they are uh, game changers for us. Uh, in terms of how we view our finances, uh, how we live at this point in history, but actually all points in history, how we follow Jesus with our money. And actually, money is a subject that Jesus talks about nearly more than anything else. Okay? And actually, sometimes the church decides to back away from these things because we find it a bit intimidating, but we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about these things. And today, we're going to look at how giving is good. So in Acts 20, uh, a gentleman by the name of Paul was stood on the beach and he was saying goodbye to some of his friends who were the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And they talked about many things together uh, and they were very sad that Paul was leaving. They'd had a real bond with him. Uh, And Paul says a number of things like this is the last time he's perhaps ever going to see them. Uh, And uh, there's no Zoom or anything like that. There's no kind of Instagram story to follow his life at that point. Perhaps they might get a letter if they are lucky from him. And so he's trying to kind of download as much as he can in their direction. And he says, look, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's better to give away than to get. But getting stuff is really good. Like I, I'm, I really like getting stuff. It's, if I'm honest, it's why I look forward to Christmas. I have a list of things that I want to get, and I tell people, this is my list. Stick to that list. Don't go off the list. Just stick to the list of things. You may think that you have a good idea about what I want, but mine's better. Look, there is a list. Uh, giving to me is important to do it right because I like to receive. Receiving is good. A number of years ago, in the early years of uh, planting in Manchester, uh, probably kind of 11, 12 years ago, uh, Vicky, my wife, and I were properly skint. That is the only way of describing it. I was part-time for the church, I think about three days a week at that point. Uh, Vicky uh, was, uh, or is a nurse, and she was part-time nursing as well. The kids were, little, were tiny, so we had to pay for childcare. It's before they went to school. So in order for us to work, we had to pay someone to look after the kids, which cost about as much as it was that we made when we went to work. So money came in, and then it just left again. That was where life was. Budgets were very tight at that point in time. Uh, and they were fine. We did okay. But when a sudden unexpected cost came in, it was you were thinking, well, I don't know where we're going to find this money. Maybe we should sell one of the children. How are we going to uh, pay for these things uh, to work? Uh, and at the time, we had a car, a beautiful grey Mondeo. That's the car that we had. And at that particular day, I'd taken it to the garage 
Uh, and uh, I took it to the garage early and then I'd walked up to uh, Colin Barron's house and Colin is one of the other leaders in CCM and at the time I think it was just me and him that worked for the church Uh, and so we would regularly just sit in his kitchen I don't know talking about churchy stuff I can't remember what we're talking about but I said when I got there I was like oh yeah I walked today because I had to take the car to the garage and then we sat and we talked and then one of those phone calls came that you dread right if you've got a workman in your house or if your car's in the garage, an early phone call is never a good sign, is it? You think, oh man, the mechanic's called me early. He's basically lifted, lifted up the bonnet, laughed, and then phoned me. And so he phoned and said, yep, yeah, there is some work to be done here, Tim, that we weren't expecting. This is going to cost you a couple of hundred pounds. And uh, there it was. And it wasn't a huge amount of money, okay? But it was, in that point in time, what felt like quite a lot of money. And you're just not, you're thinking, oh, he's got to pay. I've got no choice. What am I going to do? Push the car back to my house. Yes, that's fine. Just pay for it. And I put the phone down and Colin was listening and he just said, Tim, I'll pay for it. Wonderful. Oh, still makes me emotional. And that was a number of years ago, but clearly it was a very important moment because receiving is brilliant, right? People bailing you out of trouble is brilliant. Uh, years before that, when we first got married, uh, we, we were very, very skint then. Vicky was still at university, uh, and I had one of the worst paid jobs in the history of jobs. And uh, we were shopping, and our friends used to take us shopping uh, because they had a car. So uh, Vic was loading all the stuff into the bags. And just at the till, they said, we'll pay. You don't have to pay. Yes, receiving is good, right? But the biggest impact on my life, on my heart, on me, on changing me, on making me more like Jesus, was when I give money away. Jesus says, where our treasure is, our heart will follow. Where we put our money changes the direction of our hearts. It does. If you invest all of your money into possessions and stuff, whatever those things might be, slowly but surely your heart becomes for those things. If we look to keep all of our money in the bank, we're always saving, we're protecting, we're, we're very tight on those things. Slowly but surely, your heart becomes for security. If we look to be generous with our money, actually, slowly but surely, our hearts become for generosity. Where our treasure is, where you put your money, your heart will follow. So when we say it's more blessed to give than to receive... We're talking about something which has a couple of different levels. Uh, We bless others when we give away. So I was blessed when Colin paid for my knackered car or when my friends paid for our shopping. But actually, we ourselves are blessed when we are generous to others because it slowly but surely changes the direction of our hearts. Now, I actually really look forward to preaching about money. I I quite enjoy uh, talking about it because I think how we approach our finances actually has the ability to be life-changing. If we see our money as a gift from God to us to use for his kingdom, actually, there are some great faith adventures there that will be very good for us and actually can be good for the world around us as well. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Now, some of us might find this 
difficult, might find talking about money difficult. Uh, it's a bit of a running joke between me and Vicky. In my family, we love talking about money, and me particularly, I just seem to have this ability to talk about money, um, whether that's a good ability or not. But Vicky's family, they do not want to talk about money. So when we first uh, got married, I would go to Vic's parents' house, and Vic's dad would collect lots of art. And people would go to his house, look at the art, and ask him questions about the art. And I would look, walk around and go, how much was that one? And he would be like, I'm not, don't, doesn't matter. It's a beautiful piece. I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. What about that one? How much was that one? And so anyway, um, so some people struggle to talk or, or to think about money or even to listen to the church talk about money. Uh, and one of those reasons could be we struggle with our finances. We live in a point in history, don't we, where we live in a very expensive nation. We live in a city, actually, that's becoming more and more expensive We live in a culture that likes to spend money. And sometimes in that that kind of context, our our finances can go out of control, can't they? We may even feel like there is just nothing left. Actually, my prayer for you, for all of you, is that you have faith for the money that you have and are excited about what you can achieve with God, with what he has given you. And for me, faith and practicality go hand in hand. You can't have faith for your money if you don't know how much money you've got. You can't have faith for it when it all disappears away from you. I believe that the money we have is what God has allowed us to have as well. Actually, now you might hear that and think, Tim, I'm utterly skint at the moment and life is difficult. And and actually, I have sympathy. I've been there uh, numbers of times. But actually, I believe God allows us to have Uh, the money that we have. And our job is to spend it well, to save it well, and to be generous with it, with faith and with wisdom. So we may be struggling with our finances. That may make it difficult for us to hear. We may also feel a level of cynicism, perhaps, towards churches and what they say about money. We may be thinking, well, there are certain types of preachers that always seem to want more money and always seem to wear nice suits and never quite seem to have enough money. So they're always asking for it. And you may have questions about those things. Uh, And they may be good questions. And all I can say is we want to be generous as a church. And actually, one of the cultures that we want to strive for as a church is to be generous. I want us all to grow as disciples of Jesus in our generosity. And as a whole church, I want us to be generous as well. And last year, we, we were. Year on year, we're very generous. So our Give Big that we do just before Christmas this year, we raised £76,000, which is a huge amount of money out of us as a church. And that is on top of what people give just month by month. Incredibly generous. And we are growing in our generosity But another reason we may struggle to think about money or to have faith for our money or even to listen to a preacher talk about it is that we have a scarcity mindset. So a scarcity mindset looks at the amount of money that you have and just sees the limitations. The first thing we see is what we cannot afford to do. And therefore you think, I must protect what I have. I must preserve what I have. And when we think about giving away, we think about loss, not investment. Now, an abundance mindset, which I want to talk a bit about today, is the opposite of that. It's completely different. With this mindset, when we give away, we're thinking about how much God can do with what we have given. Whether it seems like a lot of money or a small amount of money, what can God do with it? 
When we give with an abundance mindset, we know that God has more to give and we are meant to be a blessing. Actually, when we give in that way, we don't see material loss. We see kingdom investment. Now, I think this is true regardless of how much money you have. Generosity is not something that rich people do and they don't really notice they are doing it. I even argue that isn't particularly generous. Whatever our income is, whatever we feel about how much we've got, we are meant to be a blessing with that money. When I was 19, I had the privilege of going to Malawi for a couple of weeks and I travelled around the Malawian countryside and visited a few cities and even went into Mozambique with a pastor there who looked after hundreds of other churches and uh, I'd, I've still got no idea how I managed to do that. It was just a spotty white English kid following around these giants of faith for a couple of weeks. Um, and as we would drive around these different places, um, we would just stop at various people's houses for dinner. And every time we stopped, we were fed like really very well. And most of the time, I don't think they even knew that we were going to turn up. Or if they did know, they had no idea of what day we might arrive. And we would turn up, they would look very pleased to see us, and they would feed us. And I'm convinced that some of them looked at me, spotty white English kid, and thought, we need to give him some food that's not going to scare him. And numbers of times, a bowl of chips would appear and be like, yes, thank you very much. This feels like home, a long way from home. And none of these people were wealthy. None of them were wealthy. Actually, even as a 19-year-old kid, knowing my family and my background, I was thinking, I'm probably one of the richest people in the room at the moment. But even then, they were desperate to bless us. They didn't look at their limitations. They were looking to be a blessing. For them, it was better to give than receive. We are generous when we give away based on what God has given to us, not what we have. This abundant mindset actually is kingdom economics. Okay, so Proverbs 11 says this, One gives freely, yet grows richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So let's think about this. If we can say giving is good, well, how do we actually do that? How do we live out this Proverbs 11 way of thinking about our money? If Paul says it's more blessed to give than receive, and that's the definition of an abundance mindset, well, how do we actually do that? Practically, how do we give? How do we give abundantly? And Paul helps us out a little bit here. He, he unpacks this concept uh, for a church, and he wrote this to a church in Corinth, and he kind of explains to them, look, this is how you can be generous. And uh, he writes this in 2 Corinthians And he explains how he wanted them to give. And the how of giving seems a strange strange way of thinking about it. You should surely think, well, what do I give? What, What have I got that I can give? And actually, the how is probably a better place to start. He wanted them really to kind of think about their giving, to think about what was going on in their hearts. And the first... The first point he makes in is how to in how to give is to give yourself to God. And he used another church as an example. So he wrote to the church in Corinth and said, look, this church in Macedonia, let me tell you about them because they're amazing. So if you've got Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians 8. If you don't have a Bible, it will appear. Oh, there. Thank you very much, Joe. 
It says, um, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God's that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accords, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord's and then by the will of God to us. So Paul is showing this example. He's saying, look, this church in Macedonia gave generously, even though they were in extreme poverty, which wasn't the church in Corinth. Corinth was a wealthy city. It was a party city. Uh, They had plenty of opportunity to make money and to spend their money. And so Paul is saying, well, look at these, these churches in Macedonia. Their situation is somewhat different to yours. They're experiencing extreme poverty, and yet look at what they were able to do. Now, he doesn't say how much this church were able to give. He doesn't even say how much they had left over. But he looks at their situation and he realises that they have given lots more than he even expected. And why do they do this? Well, verse 5 tells us they gave themselves first to the Lord. They were trusting God with their lives. They had put themselves into the hands of God's. They had said, Lord God, you are our king. You are Lord. We worship Jesus. We follow him. We give ourselves to him. We have entered the kingdom of God's. And actually now we're going to live under the rules of the kingdom of God's, not the kingdom of the world. When you give yourself to God's, that means everything of yours becomes his. When a couple get married, maybe, they, they would dedicate themselves to each other, perhaps in a similar way. They might uh, say, we share everything that we have. They may even on their wedding day say, what's mine is yours. And when Vicky and I first got married, uh, we put everything that we had, which wasn't very much, into a joint account. We decided we are going to have a joint account. Everything that we earn is each other's. Okay? And we've gone through times where one of us has earned more than the other, but we've always said it's ours together. We have equal share on it. And when we give ourselves first to the Lord, we are saying a similar thing. We're saying, look, everything I have belongs to him. Everything that we thought was ours, actually, we now say is God's. That's the beginning of an abundance mindset, to give ourselves to God's. When we understand that everything is now God's, all we are doing is giving away or giving back to him what was already his, not ours. So how do we give abundantly? First, you give yourself to God. Secondly, you plan to give. Verse 3 of, of, the, of um, uh, Corinthians says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accords. So the Macedonians gave according to what they had, uh, but then they ended up giving a bit more as well. They were so excited by giving away, they gave more. And they knew exactly what they had so they could plan their money. They knew what their means were. They built their finances around being generous. Now, a friend of mine, actually, she's been generous with her money for years. Actually, she's older than me. She has decades upon decades upon decades 
of giving to the church. And uh, well, I know that she's really good about, at this stuff. So I was asking about it once. I was saying, how do you, how do you plan your finances to be uh, so generous? Because she's not super rich. And she says, oh, it's easy, Tim. I have a spreadsheet. And at the top of my spreadsheet is giving to the church. And underneath that is taxes. I was like, oh, right. So you give a tenth of what you've got before you pay tax. She's like, yep, I plan to give away. Our finances are built around generosity. Again, when, when Vicky and I first got married, Vicky had a year left at university, uh, and I had that very low-paid job that I've still not forgiven them for how low-paid it was. Uh, my take-home salary then was £660. That's how much I took home every month. And that covered our rent, just. It covered our bills, almost. It covered our food, really not very often because our friends occasionally bought food for us. Uh, it covered our travel, getting to and from work, also covered any sort of fun we ever wanted to have, which again, wasn't very much, and covered our giving as well. And we decided actually straight away, look, we haven't got much at this moment. We know it's only a phase. We know that Vicky will leave university and she has to get a job. Uh, we know it's only a phase. And we know that our incomes will go up over time. But we want to be good at saving and giving while we haven't got very much money. And we decided that straight away. So we set aside, out of that £660, 60 a month for giving. I remember it because that felt quite painful at the time. Like, okay, we're going to give 60 quid to the church. Now, if we had decided to either not do that or after a few months think, you know what, let's just not do it anymore, would the church that we were at at the time have noticed I don't think they would have done. There were numbers of people in this church of about 200. Um, Almost all of them had more money than us at that point. Uh, There were many wealthier people in the church. If we'd have decided to stop giving, it would have made very little difference to that church at all. But we knew that we wanted to do it. We knew if we didn't start saving early, if we didn't start giving early, then actually we would never have enough to save and to give. So how do we give abundantly? Well, we plan to give. We plan for generosity. Paul also talked about how they gave beyond their means. Well, what does he mean by that? So the third way that we can uh, think about how we we give and how we have an abundant uh, giving habit is that the amount we give absolutely matters. So often when we talk about giving or maybe even presents at Christmas, we might say, oh, it's the heart that counts. It's the heart that matters. And of course, this is correct to a point until it perhaps becomes a bit of an excuse. Now, again, when, when Vicky and I first got married, these are good examples because we were utterly skint at the time. And um, before, we uh, you know, before we were engaged, we were just going out. We were both students and we didn't have very much money. Now, we weren't poor because we both came from good families uh, that had money. So in no way could I say that we were poor. But our income was somewhat limited. Let's put it that way. Uh, so when we got engaged, we went to get Vicky an engagement ring. I was a chicken. I didn't surprise her with a ring because I was just a chicken. Uh, so we went after we were engaged. And I th- and I'd got a definite yes out of her. I'm like, yes, now I can spend money on a ring. Uh, we went and we got a ring. And that ring cost us the grand total of 40 pounds, okay? It's very cheap. Now, it holds a great deal of sentimental value. If Vicky were here, she would show it to you. She would be uh, very happy with it, but it is not worth very much at all. 
But for what we had at the time, 40 quid was actually a pretty big deal, okay? That was a lot of money for us in that moment. We were just happy uh, that we could afford to buy a ring. I was just happy that she'd said yes, and I, I wanted to get a ring on it, just a, some sort of legal contract before the wedding day, because she changed her mind. Um, but imagine if the situation was somewhat different, okay? Imagine if I had a job, and it was a good enough job that I could get a car, and I could get myself a nice flat, and I could pay for a few fun hobbies. And I like football, so I got a season ticket uh, to go watch Manchester United. Let's imagine I'm the sort of person that might go to the gym. I'm not, but just imagine it. And we'd pay for a gym. And I love going to see bands and music, so let's imagine I go see plenty of gigs and buy more vinyl than is sensible. Now, imagine that was my lifestyle, for a relatively normal kind of spending lifestyle. And the day came for me to propose to Vicky, and I got down on one knee, and I had the same... 40 pounds ring. What would that say? It would say something about my heart, wouldn't it? It would say something about how important she was to me. How much we give should be based on our means, like it was for the Macedonians, on how much we have, but then with an injection of faith that comes from actually knowing Jesus and trusting him. The amount we give does matter. Let's keep talking because this will hopefully keep explaining. And the fourth way uh, that we can think about how we give is that we give with faith for the future. Now, my hope is that when you think about your finances, that you do so with faith. Even when you're in those times where you just haven't got very much, it's a small amount. But actually to look at what you have and to look at it and think, what does God want me to do with this? What could God do in my own life? What could God do in the lives of the people around me with the money that he's given me? So when you think about being generous to church, perhaps, it's not driven by guilt or by me twisting your arm. If you feel guilty, that's of no use to anybody. And if you start giving out of guilt, you'll eventually stop giving or resent it greatly. Actually, we give when we feel hope and faith for our money and for generosity. And Paul is calling the church in Corinth, he's calling us to give with imagination. Okay, So when we give, we are picturing up, this is what God could do with our money. Or when we're being generous to someone around us who's in a tough spot, you give with some imagination. Okay, I can imagine what God could do. I picture what God could do with this. We give with faith that God can use what little we give to do great things in the future. Also, when we give, we are trusting God that he will give to us, that he will look after us. Later on in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul actually writes, he says, look, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I wonder if he had Proverbs 11 in his mind. Remember, it says, one gives freely yet grows richer. Another withholds what they should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered. When we give, we are building for the future. And I honestly believe that as you guys, as you start moving into this way of of living, this way perhaps of thinking about your finances, this way of worshipping God with your money, you will find God providing for you in very unexpected ways. We give because we have faith that God will look after us in the future. And finally, the, the fifth way that we can think, how do we give? How do we actually do this? 
Paul says, we give cheerfully. Verse 7, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, I think that giving to church should be fun. Okay, you might think, what? (laughs) I don't understand that. It should be fun. You should do it cheerfully. It should bring you cheer and joy when you give money away. You should enjoy the journey of faith that God takes you on as he challenges you in the same way that he challenged the Macedonians as they gave and then they thought, actually, we want to give a little bit more. And the interesting thing about this is that Paul is talking about emotional reactions here. He talks about you've decided in your heart. It's a heart decision. This is how much I want to give. And sometimes we can look at our finances, we can look at the spreadsheet, and it's a cold head decision, okay? This is how much I've got, this therefore is what I can give. And he's saying, yep, that's great, that's what the Macedonians did, but also something happened in their hearts as well. Something connected with them. Maybe it was the fact that he was taking this money to serve the poor in Jerusalem. The churches there were having a terrible time. And maybe the Macedonians just thought, in our hearts, we love our brothers in Jerusalem. Let's give them more, even though our lives are difficult as well. He says, you don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion. He's saying, look, if you feel compelled or manipulated, that's not much use. You shouldn't give in those situations. And he says as well, you should be cheerful about it. Now, nobody can force you to feel those emotions. I can't force you to be cheerful about giving money. I wish I had that power. It would be an amazing power, wouldn't it? Uh, The ability to make people cheerful about giving money away. But I can't do it. Nobody can do that. What I can say is that you can get to the point of giving cheerfully and generously by by allowing God to take you on that journey step by step. Like Jesus says, uh, what you give your treasure to, your heart will follow. Slowly but surely, you can give and God can make you cheerful. So in this series, we're looking at how less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And my genuine hope is that actually your money that you earn or that you have, your finances become a big part of your faith journey. How we spend, how we save, how we give our money is just an incredible opportunity to live in radical obedience to God. Now, many of you here at the beginning of your careers or perhaps you're at university thinking about what you may do in the future. And it's at this point when you don't have much, when it's near the beginning, that you set in place the patterns for spending, for how you save, for how you give. It's at this point that actually if you inject faith into those things, actually you will build habits which will last for decades. If I teach this to people who are perhaps my age or older and have set themselves into spending habits and saving habits already, it's actually quite hard for them to readjust their thinking and their lifestyle. You can see it repeatedly. Actually, they're so entrenched in their way of living, it's actually quite hard for them to break out. So I would appeal to you, Fallowfield, actually, when you're young, and please don't feel condescended by this, I don't mean it at all, but actually it's at this point in time, it is a brilliant opportunity to offer what you have. Because for most of you, you will have more in the future. 
If you can work this stuff out when you have less, actually, maybe in 10 years, you'll find yourself having given away huge amounts of cash without quite realising it and saving as well.